So those of you who were with us before August, um, you know that I'd become somewhat enamored with Psalm 117. It is the middle chapter of the Bible. It is the shortest chapter of the Bible. And God says, effectively, God says, come and enjoy me. Okay? Let me just read it to you. Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations. Laud him, which means extol or praise him, all peoples. For his loving kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. Two short verses, three times, God says, come and enjoy me. You say, Jim, I didn't hear you read, come and enjoy me. That's what God means when he says, praise me. He says, he means come and enjoy me. That's what you were created for. We were created to enjoy God. Praise is the consummation of joy. Three times, two verses, right in the middle of the Bible, connecting all that's gone before and all that will follow, come and enjoy me. I hope that uh, those of you that have been around, a few of you have come through most of these services, so I hope that uh, that's something that you can talk about and understand. I did want to share with you, this is one of the best books I've ever read. If you, if you have a theological hunger and thirst, this is one of the best books I've ever read. God's Passion for His Glory. Okay, it's John Piper um, who writes half the book, and then the second half of the book is Jonathan Edwards, whom John Piper is distilling for us in the first half of the book. But you know why God created, right? You know why? Because He was lonely. Wrong. That's not why God created. God created for his glory, for you to see it, for you to love it, and for you to take great pleasure in it. Let me just read one excerpt from here. You've got to read this book. If you have any theological thirst at all, you have to read this book. Uh, it's the best, I guess one of the best I've ever read. Edward says this, God is his last and highest end. Why is that good news for us as his people? If God is his last and highest end, why is that good news for us? Because he's our reward, right? If God is making much of God, then our hearts will explode forever in adoring him and looking at him and admiring him and worshiping him and delighting in him. There's no end to God. Edwards continues. God is his highest uh, and last end because he is worthy to be so. Being infinitely the greatest and best of all beings. All things else, he's talking about everything else, are perfectly as nothing in comparison to God. Listen, you can, you can stack up all the pleasures of the earth, okay? Stack them all up from, from Adam and Eve to now. Um, it's not going to make it happen for you. You were wired to delight in God. And I don't care how much pleasure you can accumulate on this earth, it's not going to fill up your soul ever. God will fill up your soul forever. Uh, Edwards continues, all that is ever spoken in the scripture as an ultimate end of God's works is included in one phrase, the glory of God. This is what Psalm 117 is about. It's about the glory of God. 
It's about the glory of God. And if, if your worldview and your life is not centered around the glory of God and the pleasure you derive from it, then you are wasting your life. I lovingly say to you, you're wasting your life on trivialities and things that ultimately do not matter. We're to make much of God. Yes, family's important, but... Family doesn't come before God. We're to make much of God in the family. We're to make much of God in the career. We're to make much of God at the university. We're to be living, Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations. Praise Him, all people. That's what He's called us to live, beloved. So, this is what Psalm 117 is about. Come and Enjoy me. Start now. <laughs> you start right now. If, you've come, if you're born again and, and you've come to me, start right now. And it's only going to get bigger and better forever. Edwards actually uses the word in the book. He actually uses the word that such delight will accelerate into eternity. Beloved, we never get to the end of God. It's what 117 is saying. It's what the whole Bible is saying. And this, this, this thing that, that 117 is talking about, Psalm 117, it, it makes me think of John 17. I think we've talked about this already. 21 and 22, you know those breathtaking verses where Jesus is praying. He says that you and I may be in the Father and in the Son and that the glory which the Father gave the Son, He will what? Give to us in some mysterious way I can't begin to describe or understand. I won't even go there. I won't try to exposit that text. But beloved, that's our inheritance. God is our inheritance. <laughs> and you want to make a million? Okay, make a million. Okay, make a million. You know what's going to happen the morning after you wake up, you've made that first million? You're going to realize it's not enough. It doesn't make me happy. It doesn't fill my soul. You and I both desperately need God. So let, let me tell you where we've been the last few weeks uh, before the holiday. Psalm 117, I've, I've excavated eight sermons out of there. And you say, well, Jim, how can you do it? Well, it's because the first, the first Sunday I preached 117, it was like one thing the, the Spirit of God gave me to say was to be fierce in praise. Yeah, be fierce in praise. That's what 117 is about. Then I thought we should be fierce in worship, right? We should be fierce in obedience. We should be fierce in persecution. We should be fierce in expectation. We should be fierce in holiness. We should be fierce in giving, and we should be fierce in truth. And tonight I want to talk about the fact that God has called us to enjoy Him in prayer, to be prayer warriors, to be fierce in prayer. And I'm going to challenge some of you in a way that probably you've never been challenged with respect to prayer. Now, if you've been around for a while, you know where I am on this, right? And I'm going to use, another, I'm going to use the same illustration I've used before when I've preached on prayer. It's been two years, if my records are correct, since I have preached on prayer. Who knows? what my least favorite book about prayer is. It's good that you don't know. <laughs> it means I don't repeat myself as much as I fear sometimes. Pardon me? Chinelo, you get a Twinkie. 
The Prayer of Jabez. This is a book about prayer that sold 10 million copies back in the year 2000. How do you sell 10,000 copies of a book on prayer? How do you do it? You know how you do it. You give people a formula so you can get all the stuff you want from God. That's effectively what this book is. Now, he does make a few uh, decent comments, but the, the whole thrust of the book is how to get stuff from God. I hate this, okay? This is an insult to God, that you would come to him with a list of things you want. And I'm going I'm to develop this in a minute. This is an insult that you want your list of things more than you want God, right? This is an insult to God. Don't pray like this. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to try to explain what I've just said in a, in a way that maybe will help us understand. The prayer of, Jab the prayer of Jabez is found in 1 Chronicles 4.10. And the, the, the author of the book, Bruce Wilkinson, he says this, The prayer of Jabez contains the key to a life of extraordinary favor with God. A life of extraordinary favor with God. Well, who doesn't want that, right? This is how he is presenting his book. And he proceeds to tell us how we can get everything we want if we stroke God just right. Again, I hate this. I hate this kind of talk. I think it's an insult. I think it's blasphemy. So, don't read the book if you haven't read the book. He says stuff like this. The author says, the Jabez formula, it, it releases God's miracles into your life. It, it you can receive God's fullest blessing. You can rectify your wants of God's plenty. And here's my least favorite. You can access God's unclaimed blessings that are just waiting for you. And he gives an example of a woman who arrives in heaven, right? And she runs into uh, Peter and Peter shows her a warehouse and she says, well, what is all of this? And Peter says, this is all the stuff you never asked for. Okay, I'm telling you. I hate this. I hate this. A warehouse of stuff? Who cares? I get God. I get God. Beloved, let me just say it right here. That's what prayer is about. We get God. I'm not saying we can't pray for stuff. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm going to make myself clear in a few minutes. Okay? I'm going to, I'm going to get to, the, to that part of it in a minute. But prayer is about getting to know God. Prayer is about learning to delight in God. Prayer is about Psalm 117. That's what biblical prayer is about. Uh, the author, he never uses the word incantation, but as you read the book, you realize this is kind of like an incantation. If I can just pray the prayer right, then I'll get what I want from God. I'll stroke God and God will be my genie in a bottle. God will do what I Want. And if we're not praying the prayer of Jabez, somehow I'm impeding God's ability to give me what God wants to give me. I hate this. I hate this. If you're not witnessing miracles and success in your life, of course it's because you're not praying the prayer of Jabez. And you need to start praying it right now. 
And here's my book, $12.99. These guys will answer for this stuff. They will answer for this stuff. You know what? I think if the prayer of Jabez was that important, I just think Jesus or the Apostle Paul would have brought it up. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I really think that if that was the formula to get everything you want, I just feel like either Jesus or the Apostle Paul might have brought it up. Okay, enough about the book. Let me just say this. If your prayer is about prayer, you don't know anything about prayer. You know, I know a lot of people, they, they check their prayer box. Well, I got to do my prayer time. I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm asking you, what kind of attitude do you come to the prayer time with? Is it a task? Is it a chore? Is it an obligation? Are you just trying to get more stuff? What is it about with you and God? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm asking you to sit there in your chair and, and, and ask yourself, what is prayer really about with me and God? Am I just being religious? Am I just trying to get more stuff? Prayer is never about prayer. It's about God. It's about getting to know God. It's about getting to know the will of God. If your prayer is about prayer, you're clueless. I'm just going to lovingly say to you, if your prayer is about prayer, if your prayer is about a formula, you don't know anything about biblical prayer. So I say that as a warning. Beloved, you're not bending God's will to yours. He's always bending your will to his. You got it? And that's how we come in prayer. Biblical prayer, right? Oh God, bend my will if it needs to be bent. Bend it. Make it yours. I want what you want for me because I know you know how to make me happy. I don't even know how to do that. As the Old Testament prophet said, we don't even understand our own hearts. We don't know what, what's in there down deep. We don't know. We don't really know what we need. But our Creator does. I'm going to take a few minutes just because the apostasy is so rank. I'm going to just go to, I'm going to go to, you don't need to go there. It's just, I'm going to read one verse. I'm going to go to the prayer of Jabez, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. I'm going to read it to you. Now Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, and it might not pain me. And God granted him what he requested. Bruce Wilkinson says one thing that's true. We don't remember Jabez for what he did. We remember him for what he prayed because this is all we know about Jabez. We don't know anything else about this guy. Apparently there was maybe a city named after him, but this is all we know. And here's what I want to say to you about the prayer of Jabez, okay? Because 
again, the apostasy is, is so widespread. I want you to be able, if, if you run into somebody who's talking about this, you'll be able to refute them. The context of Jabez is the context of Israel taking the promised land. This is the context. Okay? Context matters in the Bible. It matters in the Bible. You can't just take a verse and run with it and, and you know, import all the junk you want to say. What is the context here? Actually, as you look closely at the prayer of Jabez, he's praying for what God has already promised to Israel. And, of course, Jabez is part of Israel. I think this is a very important insight. Jabez is not praying, give me, give me, give me. He's saying, God, do your will. That's really what he's saying. At the end of it, at the bottom of it, at the root of it, Jabez is saying, God, you've already promised all of this. Do it. He's already promised this to Israel. Jabez is part of Israel. This is how I want you to learn how to pray. God, do your will. If you really know him, <laughs> why would you want anything else? Why would you want anything else? Jabez prays for blessing. God had promised to bless Israel. Jabez, he prayed for enlarged borders. God had promised all the land to Israel. Jabez prays for God's presence. God had promised to be with Israel. Jabez prays for God's protection. God had promised to fight for Israel and defend her. Do you see the real importance of the prayer of Jabez? God, do your will. I think if we could talk to Jabez this afternoon, that's exactly what he would say. I was praying God's will. I wasn't praying my will. It wasn't about give me, give me, give me. Ultimately, I'm praying God's will for Israel of which I am part. I think that's what would be said. So, you know, I know some of you know this. There's one verse that governs all that the Bible says about prayer. And you need to know this. You need to know this verse. You need to know where this verse is. There's one verse that governs everything else that's said about prayer in the Bible. Do you know where it is? 1 John 5, 14 and 15. You know the verse. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked him for. This is how you're fierce in prayer, right? You're fighting to understand and know God's will in prayer. It's not, first of all, give me, give me, give me. It's, I want to know, God, what is your will here in my circumstance? Listen, I can tell you from firsthand experience. Karen had cancer back in 2008. You think I, I was praying for healing? Of course I was praying for healing. In the context of the will of God. I didn't know if God would heal her. I didn't know, but I was praying for God's will in it all. That God would be glorified in it all, and he was in my wife. You know, you can fool a lot of people. You can't fool your spouse. I watched her love God in it, and it was an amazing thing. It changed me. I know it changed her.
So the cancer kind of slipped in past God and got past Him. Beloved, all that comes into your life passes through the hands of God. If you belong to Jesus Christ, all that comes into your life passes through the hands of God. What a joy to know and understand that, right? We have a sovereign God that we can rest in. I just thought of James 4, 2, 3. Let me just read it to you. Why do you not have the will of God? Well, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, right? We've all been guilty of this. We, we've all been guilty of allowing our own personal will to bleed into what prayer should be, which is finding God's will and living it out, right? This is being fierce in prayer. And I'll just say it one more time. If you want something other than the will of God, you're not, I'll say it this way, you're probably not very smart, and I don't think you're converted. If you're converted, if you know the living God, then you trust the living God. <laughs> right? You trust Him with the cancer. You, cr you trust Him with the financial distress. You trust Him with the health problem. You trust Him with the family crisis. Yeah, we cry. Yeah, we weep. Yeah, we hurt. Everything happens. We're not immune to any of the pain that has come with the curse. But here's what a real Christian does. They get before the Lord and they find His will in it, right? And they make much of God in it. Yeah, I prayed, I prayed that Karen would be healed. And she was. Praise God. But I'm not the kind of man that would stand before an almighty sovereign God and demand that He heal her. Because I know the formula, God. I pray the formula, and I expect you to perform. I hate this. I hate this stuff in modern Christianity where... We expect God to perform for us. God doesn't have to perform for me. And God help you. If you think God must perform for you, He's not in the business of performing for men. He does His all-wise, good, and faithful purpose. He's not performing for me. He's not performing for you. And if you have that image of God, I, I lovingly challenge you to repent. From that tonight. So, if we believe our Bibles, God's will for us is, being, is that we be conformed into the image of His Son. Do you not want this? God's will for us is ever increasing intimacy with Him. Do you not want this? This is what the cancer was about. Karen grows up, Jim grows up. Right? and 10,000 other things he was doing. Not only in our lives, but in the lives of our family, in the lives of the church. I can't begin to tell you all the things that happened at that time. God's will for us is eternal and infinite good. God's will for us is maximum joy forever at the right hand of God. <laughs> and you're going to spend your time asking for stuff? <laughs> uh, we have too small a view of God, beloved.
that's what we spend our time praying about. Again, this is an insult. The true believer doesn't lust for the things of the world and ask God for them. The true believer lusts for God and his will and his glory and he asks for them. I challenge you, if you don't pray this way, begin tonight. You begin tonight praying for God's glory, God's will in your life. Pray it. You'll always get it. <laughs> you will always get it. It's how Jesus prayed. Let's just turn over there if you want uh, real quick. Uh, Matthew 6. Matthew 6. You know the, the famous prayer. Jesus says, Matthew 6, verse 7, When you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition. Do not pray the prayer of Jabez to me ever again. Don't do that. Okay? That's what he just said. Don't you ever do that to me again. What do you think it'd be like to go to your husband or your wife or your mother or your father and every time it's just rote? Every time it's rote. What kind of relationship is that? It's just rote. God is not interested in it. Don't come to me with the prayer of Jabez, God says. These meaningless repetitions, this is what the Gentiles do. They suppose they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, verse 8, do not be like them. Your father, what? Tell me what it says. Your father, what? He already, what? He knows about the cancer. He knows about it. In fact, he ordained it. If your God doesn't ordain everything that comes to pass, then you don't know the biblical God. The biblical God is sovereign. He rules and reigns. There's not one rogue molecule, beloved. As I've said to you many times, you may not like the sound of it. <laughs> but God says, I am who I am. I do what, what I do. And can, I, can I just be blunt? It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> He's not trying to please you, man. He's not trying to please me either. As C.S. Lewis says, he loves me too much to be overly concerned about my temporal happiness. Although all of our, most of our days are blessed and happy, you can count them up. How many days have you are, are blessed and happy as compared to those that are in deep trauma? We know that God is abundantly good. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Why are you spending all this time asking him for stuff he knows you need? Listen to this, verse 9. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, worship the Lord. Your kingdom come what? What's next? Your kingdom come what? Is that how you pray? No, Jim, I prayed the prayer of Jabez because I'll get a lot of stuff. I don't want to get to heaven and, and see this warehouse that has all this stuff in it I never asked for. You got to stop with the stupidity. You got to stop with this pseudo Christianity, man. I can just hear Satan laughing. If he's got you praying the prayer of Jabez every day, I can hear him laughing. Now, if you're being still and you're listening and you're loving God and you're learning about God and you're offering up your life to God and, and all your circumstance, you just got open hands with it and you're telling God to do whatever He wills. As Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your will be done. 
Why can I pray that? Because I know him and I love him and I trust him. That's why I can pray that it's a Psalm 117 kind of prayer. We don't have to pray, give me prayers. God already knows what you need. Let me just real quick, uh, Jordan Peterson. Paraphrase of Matthew 6, uh, 7 and 9. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. Yes, yes. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for this nonsense. This is your father. Uh, this is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God this loving, you can pray very simply. That's what I want to get you to if you're not there already. You know, sometimes my best prayer time, I don't say much of anything. My hands are just open. He already knows. He already knows. And I know He already knows. Okay. It's my conviction that the true spirit of prayer of Jabez, he wants what God's as purpose, he wants God's will, and he's asking God for what God has already promised to Israel. The prayer of Jabez is not give me, give me, give me. It is a heartfelt desire to see God glorified in accomplishing his will in the lives of his people. And here's the, here's the objection that I, I would get from your average so-called Christian. Well, Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. Yes, of course. Ask, seek, knock. Do it. Ask, seek, knock. But I'm going to give you two examples in the New Testament about the asking, the seeking, and the knocking. Who was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed three times that the cup would pass from him? But how did he finish that prayer? Anybody remember who this is? Let me think. Who was this? Oh, it was the Son of God. And he asked that the cup would pass from him. But how did he end that prayer? Anybody remember? Not my will, but what? Your will be done. This is how, this is how mature Christians pray. He asked... He sought, he knocked, and he said, God, your will be done. Father, your will be done. I love Matthew 7, 8 through 11. It's the ask, seek, knock passage. Everyone who asks will receive, and he who seeks will find, and him who knocks shall be opened. What's he talking about? Everyone who asks ask will get the will of God. Everyone who seeks will find the will of God. Everyone who knocks, the will of God will be open to him. That's what he's talking about. You get the will of God. <laughs> Again, what thinking person would want anything else? No thinking person would. I love it. I love it. I love it. What is the good that we get if we ask and we seek and we knock God's will. Because God's will is always good. 
It is always good. Can anyone think of another New Testament example of asking, seeking, and knocking? And then bowing to the will of God. Anybody? If I gave you very long, you'd think of it. The most dynamic Christian. Jesus wasn't a Christian. He's God. But the most dynamic Christian in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul. You remember the thorn in the flesh? He asked. He sought. And he knocked. And what did God say to him about the thorn in the flesh? What did he say? I think it's 1 Corinthians 12, I think. What did God say to him? And I love this about Paul. Okay. I hope you already know this. A lot of prayers just listening. A lot of prayers listening. God said, no way. I'm not going to do that. My grace is sufficient for you. Are you offended if you get the no from God? <laughs> Who do you think you are? Do you think you're better than the Apostle Paul? Paul was not offended. Paul rejoiced. He was happy. He said, therefore, now I am well contented in the no. I'll bear up with this thorn in the flesh because it's the will of God. Let me just ask you this, beloved. Are you living for anything smaller than the will of God? If you are, you've, you've made a wrong turn, man. You've got to be living for the will of God in your family, in your career, in your studies, whatever. In your internet surfing, you've got to be living for the will of God in every sphere. You're a steward. Be a good steward. You'll give an accounting to the master. So, I love it. Yeah, it's, uh, let me, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Go read that, that text about the Apostle Paul. And Paul says, this, I want to say this again. I want to make this point. And Paul says, and God said to me, no. <laughs> Paul didn't get a pout on. He, uh, he says, therefore, I'm well contented with what God wants to. This is being fierce in prayer. Okay. This is being fierce. This is Psalm 117 in prayer. I will be fierce in prayer. I will praise God in prayer. Whether I get the yes or the no, I praise God in the prayer. Right. I'm fierce in prayer because I'm seeking and discovering and learning the will of God in my life. This is true biblical prayer. Let me just revisit Jabez. Bless me indeed, he said. Do you think he's preoccupied with temporal blessing? Or as every converted man or woman sitting in this room knows, he's preoccupied with God's spiritual blessing. Jabez prays, enlarge my border. Do you think he's overly concerned with his temporal borders? Or do you think he's principally concerned with uh, the depth and breadth of his own soul? What do you think? You're, if you're a Christian, what do you think? What do you think is the paramount concern he has here? Jabez prays, God be with me. Is he looking for temporal gain or is he looking for eternal reward? What's he looking? What do you think? You call yourself, probably most of you call yourself a Christian. What do you think he's interested in principally? 
This is not rocket science. Christianity is not complicated. It really comes down to this. I actually believe Jesus Christ is God and He died for me and I give myself away. And I'm giving myself away and I trust Him with every prayer I pray. And I will not insult Him with the prayer of Jabez. Jabez says, keep me from harm. Do you think he was afraid to die? Or is he talking about eternal damnation? Now, the thinking person who's biblically literate, <laughs> we know we're all going to die. We just don't know what day that's going to happen. And I've said this to you many times, right? I know you've got problems. i got problems too. But I can rejoice every day I live because my biggest problem has been resolved. I am in Jesus Christ. It's, yeah, it's not that complicated. So in the context, it seems like the prayer of Jabez, the book, has got it all wrong. This is not about getting stuff. Above all else, it's about finding God's purpose and will and delighting in it. It's Psalm 117. The consummation of joy is praise. Have you ever just praised God in prayer and not touched anything else with it, you know? Not go into the laundry list of what you want to happen? Do you know him like that? Can you get lost in that? Sometimes when I run, I just, I, sometimes it's my best prayer time. It's, you know, it's, it's yeah, go, go into your closet and all this. So this is good. But I mean, I, for me, I'm out in the middle. Okay, I can run for two blocks and I'm in, I'm in the rice fields, right? Or the corn fields or whatever they are. I don't know what they are. I think it's corn. Corn's tall, right? That's it. Um, and man, I'm just out there and I can see the mountains on a clear day and it's like, and the sun is shining, and, and I, I'm, I'm an old man, but I'm healthy enough to run through the field, and I'm just praising God, right? He's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. And if my wife died of cancer, he'd still be an awesome God. Beloved, see if I can say this right. We don't define God by our circumstance. We define our circumstance by God. This is being fierce in prayer. So, we pray to Him because He is an awesome, sovereign God. We confess our ignorance and our impotence, and we rest in His omniscience and omnipotence. Here's prayer. We are little children coming to our Father. We are talking and listening and learning, and we are being changed. And we are seeking to find God's will. I'll close this way. It's not give me, give me, give me. It's speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. And don't insult God with any other kind of prayer. Don't insult Him, man. You know, we either want Him principally and primarily 
Or we're more interested in shiny things here. I'll close this way. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It's the true spirit of prayer. Be anxious for nothing. Some of you are anxious because you don't think you're going to get what you want. But if you don't get what you want, like the Apostle Paul, be well contented. It's the will of God that you don't get what you think you want. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. This is prayer, biblically understood. If you have any questions, I'm at the other end of the email. I'll be happy to answer any questions you have about this. I'm an old man. I've seen a lot of things. I've read a lot of books. Been through a lot of experiences. This is prayer. Almost the rest of what I've learned about it is of nominal value in comparison to understanding how Jesus prayed and how the Apostle Paul prayed. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the teaching. It might be new to some. I pray that your spirit would drive home the truth of it. I pray that we would learn to pray in a very humble and submissive, excited, expectant way. Lord, I pray that we would learn to listen. I pray that we would learn to rejoice and whatever your sovereign purpose is. For Father, truly, this is where wisdom is. It's not in an incantation. It's in a relationship with you. It's knowing you, loving you, and trusting you in prayer. It's being changed as we sit in your presence. So, Lord, I pray that you would teach us to be fierce in prayer. Which is to delight in you and find your will. We love you and we praise you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yes, of course.